Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moore. So this week on the podcast, we have the brilliant Stee Murray. Stee is an actor, he's a photographer, he's a video designer, he does it all. I mean, his the range of work that Stee does is kind of incredible. We talk about it a lot uh, on the podcast and um, I, I've been kind of meaning, I mean, this is like a well-known fact within Dublin, but what Stee does, whether it's on stage, uh, at the edit, um, like in a room or on site with people uh, and his camera it's kind of unbelievable the level of work that he's produced um has been just off the charts i mean um the work that he did uh, on my play which was lyrics uh, is something that obviously is very close to my heart and i mean the work he's done that is amazing they're like the best photos that like i've ever had taken of myself um and, and like just the way he captured the production like he's unbelievable and if uh, you are in that business of, of needing photos whether it's headshots or stuff for productions uh, i couldn't recommend it enough this sounds like steve is sponsoring the episode that's not true but i am uh, releasing this episode today and um, for a specific reason because steve uh, as an actor also has done incredible Incredible work, um, and he's got a play coming up uh, right now. It's called Panned. Uh, the dates are the 12th of November to the 17th of November. Uh, it's kicking off at 7.45pm in the Project Art Centre in Dublin's Temple Bar. Uh, tickets are super reasonable. They range from about €14 Euro to 18 um, and there's also a matinee at 2.30 on the 17th of November. I mean, it's an unbelievable team uh, b- behind this one. Um, Katrina Daly, obviously friend of the show, um, is behind it. She uh, wrote this piece. Um, it was on, uh, gosh, just a few years ago now but I remember going to the theatre upstairs expecting to be able to get a seat and they were like we're so sorry we literally don't have a single seat in the house there were people like standing sitting all over the place as many as it was safe to cram in like I mean it was unbelievable it probably wasn't even safe do you know that but that's how popular this show was so make sure that you get in and see it because it's only that popular for uh, a reason I have no doubt that the show is going to be absolutely unbelievable Um, it's a brilliant team behind it and a special shout out uh, to Laura Honan um, for setting up the episode with myself and Steve Uh, Laura as I'm sure a load of you will know uh, does unbelievable work um, right across the theatres of Dublin um, but is also uh, at the helm of the theatre upstairs alongside the brilliant Carl Shields so uh, a massive thank you to them and um, it's really cool to see work going from uh, a venue like theatre upstairs into a venue like Project Arts they're all at the heartbeat of uh, this city's artistic and cultural life and um, yeah it's just really impressive to see it have uh, that kind of a journey over this kind of uh, a lifespan so I'm very excited to see it uh, this time around um, so guys look enough of all that please enjoy the superb Steve Murray playing personality bingo with Tom Morin. Steve Murray, ready to play Personality Bingo? Tom Moran, ready as I'll ever be. All right, so a quick explanation of how it all works. So I've got 60 minutes on the clock. Uh, I've got 60 balls in here and 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you five numbers in that sheet of paper. Would you do me a favour and read out the five? So the five numbers I have are, do you need them like in order? Uh, whatever you want. I will do that. Kind <laughs> of neurotic like that. I have eight, yeah. 17, okay. 19. Right. 37 Yes And 44 Okay nice one Do me another favour Pick something between 1 and 60 That's not already there Oh the pressure I'm going to go for 5 Number 5 Any reason? Um, No uh, Apart from I guess when I was 5 I think I remembered I remember very clearly Kind of going oh, I like this I like this age I like this number This is my number 
that was it and it just that's it now yeah i don't ha- i don't know how many memories i have from when i'm super young like of that age of you know five or, or below certainly like I, I have really scattered ones and i know i have ones that are prompted when i see photographs of my childhood mm. but um that's good to have that memory of being like yeah. this is the life it's tricky isn't it when you i think they say that you're kind of when you see those photos and stuff that you start to create like almost fake memories or something mm. That's heavy stuff, man, to start off with, isn't it? Well, I mean, you know, it's only going there. one way from here. And I should say that if all uh, six of your numbers do come out, that means the tables are turned and uh, you get to ask me any question yeah, that you want. That's all I'm here for. Yeah, right, yeah, well, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> not here to take part. <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's give it a spin. All right, first out the gate, we have number 21. Do you have it? I don't have that, Tom. Does that mean I have to go home now? <laughs> CST. Yeah, that's it. You are the weakest Game link. Goodbye. Uh, number 21. Um, all right, let's... Uh, it's what would the appropriate title for your autobiography be? Oh. We can workshop some, some some names here. This is a hard one coming straight off the gate, you know? Yeah, this is this is one of these guys you probably... Like, when you hear something funny, you know, I heard something last night. Someone said something like, uh, oh, no more. No more happiness or something like that, you know? Mm. And I was like, oh, that's my memoir. Yeah. You know, you kind of... It's like an auto joke or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of one now, but it, it's yeah. interesting for you. You have to name like so. You you like obviously as a photographer uh, and like you know with this sort of stuff. So you have to name exhibitions. Like what what's that process like? How do you how do you yeah. do you work that? Last there was two of them there that I just named after songs. Um, so it's blatant plagiarism. Yeah, really. Um, or it's just trying to bring in the kind of music influences or inspiration. Um, into a visual thing, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like I think that must be really tricky for bands and, and for playwrights, I'd say, to try sum up, you know, this thing that you've been working on for years, mm-hmm. um, and that you know it's gotten into your head and come out of your head and gone back in again, and then you have to somehow sum it up in a title. Yeah, it's really strange. Like, there's yeah. some things that I think have real obvious names like when when we did lyrics like that was the right name for that play right. definitely but say i have i'm working on a, a a tv pilot at the moment like for a series and like to name a series is so hard because you're stuck with it then yeah because you're stuck That's with it. it you don't know what the whole thing is necessarily going to be about if there's a second series where is that going to go is that name still going to be appropriate mm-hmm. then there's like the thing of like and we're at a level now where there's producers involved in production companies and it's like they're like well what what's the implication of this name this same makes it sound a bit like a game show or a bit like you know a political show yeah. or it's meant to be like a, a comedy drama sort of yeah. thing it's one of the first questions I ask when I'm um, when we're talking about designing the poster mm. you know in a way you don't want to uh, indulge in the name because it's just a name you know it's never going to be the thing and the thing is always going to be bigger than the name but it is the, the first thing people read or it is the book cover before you read the book but I, I, it's one of the first questions I ask and I try you know you try have an initial reaction so I think when you said lyrics to me I kind of had a good feeling for what it was mm-hmm. you know it kind of made sense i can see what you mean like that that fitted or that yeah made sense and, and it's interesting you know since then i've written another play right and it, it's very different but i, I had and, and i think i actually almost had the name before i had the play in a way and i had the name because i had a, an image for it which isn't normally how yeah. i work but i had an image and it was like three bollards and it like the play was going to be called at the bollards mm. and the whole play was again like it took place over like a night and it was it was uh, two lads and they met at this set of bollards and, you know, something happens. And, um, but then at the very end, I was submitting into something and I just was like, oh, the name's a bit shit, isn't <laughs> it? And, and, and I had this other name in, in my uh, 
head and it was Dead Birds Can't Fly. And it's not necessarily like the right name for that play, but it was like, whatever about it, it is more interesting. Yeah. Like, um, and I just changed it. Like, it, they're both working titles. I'm not, it's not committing to anything. Yeah. But it was, it, it is that thing of like, how do I sum up this whole thing in a, in a title? Mm. It's so loaded as well. Like, well, like, I guess it is and it isn't because can you imagine when they were like writing the first series or first pilot episode of Friends mm. and they're like, what's it called? Friends. You know what I mean? It must have been so twee or so like a bit lame. And then now it's just like we just accept that that it can't be called anything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that being called, you know, whatever. Chums. I, 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 yeah, I know. The apartment. Like, yeah, what, yeah. It, it, It's weird as well because like now you see it sometimes in films. Like there's a movie out at the moment and when I seen the title, I just laughed. It's called Hunter Killer. And you're like, that is literally a marketing exec- executive being like, what are the thing that men like? Like, they're like hunters and killers. Yeah. We'll call it hunter killer. Yeah, yeah. Hunter gatherer didn't have the same yeah. effect. Really, yeah, because yeah, yeah. gatherer is like, t- like, that's too feminine. Killer, killer. Yeah, killer. Um, hunter gatherer is a cooking show or something, probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jamie Oliver. <laughs> like, it, it, and it, there was another one like, uh, soldier, or like, cowboy ninja viking. <laughs> And you're like, that, you're just saying words that people, like, you're just saying kind of, like, not genres of films, yeah, but yeah. things you've seen in film and putting them all into one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's... It's, it's it, like a Google search or something, like the most likely words to literally, follow. Yeah. And then they were putting Chris Pratt as the lead. And you're like, yeah, they're like all, like, four of the most Google things in the so world. So transparent sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. So like, all right, you got me. Yeah. Of course you got me or whatever you know you yeah. want to fight against it like, no no I'm not going to that I know so I, I think what the, what so maybe this is the thing to do but we will come back to this question at the end throughout the, mm. the course of this episode we will find let's find an autobiography yeah. what's the question autobiography the, the title of your auto, uh, autobiography that means I've written it myself right mm. there's a difference isn't there between biographies and autobiographies yeah I, I think an autobiography is when someone else does it is it I don't know. I actually don't know. Oh, you think, I don't know. No, no, no. Maybe you're right. But I'm just thinking when, when someone asks you as a as an actor or a photographer or whatever for your for your bio, for your biography, you're writing that, but you're writing that from the point of view of it not wanting to look like you wrote it. Yeah. So maybe autobi- autobiography is when you write it. Yeah. Do you write your biography in the third person? Though? Yeah, I do, yeah. We have to, don't we, for programs and stuff. Pretty much. Otherwise it's a bit... Tom graduated from the DIT Conservatory of Music and yeah. Drama. Oh, you know it off, you've learned it off. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's weird, uh, yeah, but when I write it for like my website or something, I yeah. keep it in the first person. Otherwise, I think you sound like a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Like, you're ta- you, it's clearly your website. It's clearly your... I, I've changed it, like, I keep switching. Um, between third person and... Maybe, just, maybe you should, like, try it in the second person, whenever that is, like... What what would that I, what be? What would that be? I don't know. Is that Just, you? As in, <laughs> yeah, you you graduated from the conservatory <laughs> of DIT. Who is he? Who is he talking to? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it, or like just give yourself a name or something. Because I think yeah, it give, when you when you don't write your own, like it give when you don't write your own as an actor and people read in the program, it gives the illusion that you have <laughs> someone to do that shit for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some I uh, know some assistant or something. And by someone I mean my mum. Yeah, yeah. Right, here we go. That'd be a good name for an autobiography. By someone I mean my man. <laughs> a new book by Tom Warren. Uh, okay, number 18. Do you have it? I don't. I have 17. Okay, here we go. Um, So, uh, <laughs> this is such a funnily phrased question on the street. I have meditation, mindfulness, exercise, therapy. Are there any things that you do to stay healthy day to day? When I'm... When I'm, like, rehearsing 
I kind of try to look after myself more. I think there's a bit more focus involved. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit more of like an end. You know, you're rehearsing for something. So your your body's kind of in training mode. Mm. So that might mean like yoga or gym, which I hate. Do you? Yeah. And I hate that. I hate it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Like I hate having something that I do that I hate because it just doesn't make sense. Mm. Like why would you do it then? But I do get a lot from it. Like you, you try to focus on the positives and stuff. You know what I mean? There is something kind of satisfying to it as well. Um, mindfulness. I guess like just I try travel a lot, which I guess gives you a bit of headspace. And there's a whole thing I guess with like connecting with nature, and it is genuinely good for you. You know, mm-hmm. get out there. Um, and I guess a lot of it is just you know what actually it's ironic that like I think a lot of the work I do, whether it's performing or photographing, is like in a way a kind of meditation like yeah it can be stressful and yeah it's paying the bills and yeah there's loads of other th- reasons why you do it but like there's a kind of a um like if you can focus on the oh this sounds really wanky but if you can focus on the process like there's a kind of a meditative thing to that sure like you're kind of going right why am i doing this what is the point of this or what you can kind of think about that a lot especially with theater like in plays like i think when you can get into it peace that maybe tries to talk about that sort of stuff, like then you're learning about that sort of stuff. So if, I don't know, if the piece tries to talk about anxiety, mm. then you have to, like you have to face anxiety, not just as your character, but as the actor in the room. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. or if uh, the show a couple of years ago and it was kind of looking at Alzheimer's, it was only really short, so you never really can get into it too much. So it stayed quite light. But a lot of the research and discussions in the room, even though it was only like, a, I think it was a 10 or 15 minute little piece as part of a kind of promenade thing that we did. Uh, because it was about Alzheimer's, you can't just gloss over that, you know what I mean? Even though the the content was quite light and quite humorous and it was a kind of a comedic look at Alzheimer's, we like in the room were talking, you know, about pretty heavy stuff. Like So it kind of forces you to think and talk about that sort of stuff. In a way, the work becomes a meditation on stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it's an amazing thing. I remember being in a room recently and it was um, a week in new writing. So it was a bunch of actors and dramaturgs and directors and we were working with a writer on a piece for the first time, which is obviously hard for any writer to hear your thing out loud and hear all the flaws as well as what's working, but you, you always go to the thing that isn't. But it was amazing. Like, sometimes I'm struck by that, like how smart actors and writers and design people I like the people involved in making stuff like they're so intelligent like the conversations that were going on they were really I don't know like I was really just struck by how much everyone had to bring in their various like skill sets you know and the like the sensitivity and intelligence and empathy and stuff people are capable of like it's really really impressive yeah yeah and then also then no one went to just switch on work mode as in especially technical side of it you know no one went to just talk about lights and sound yeah and having done all the groundwork and all the 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 meaning and all that sort of and getting the tone of it right and all that sort of stuff then no one like yeah this has to be a blue washer this has to be a, a, a warm washer or whatever you know because you've done the you've done the talking mm-hmm. and you've done the discussion big time yeah, yeah. It, it's funny when you were talking about the the gym and, and stuff like that 
like it, I was thinking about because obviously we play the football together mm. on on the weekend whenever whenever we can and we get the numbers. But I was like, <laughs> if there was a, if there was a way of you know of like getting something like that organized at like this will never happen. At like if you could do that like at eight in the morning or something every day, imagine how great your day yeah. would be consistently. Because like that, like just like all right, like the endorphins of it and just running around first of all, just like seeing all your mates, seeing the lads, whatever, like the camaraderie of that, like the competitiveness, like we yeah. all buy into that. Like, do you know, it's yeah. brilliant. It's great. I think it's great. Like I don't, I haven't been able to play as much as I'd like to be. Uh, I'd like to be doing it. But like, uh, I think there's a great release in that. And like, yeah, we're all pretty much in the same industry, aren't we? More or less. But it's not just all actors. Like, so we're not all diving around the pitch. <laughs> yeah. and the Oscar goes to. Yeah. But so it's kind of a mixture and different ages and different levels and skills and all sorts of stuff it's a great kind of and there isn't that much talk about shop really like no there's a little bit congrats on this sir sure you know whatever I think is nice to say but otherwise just a bunch of lads it's great getting around running around what about the chickens yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> a lot of that yeah uh, what about the the, the travel thing because I know like for example in the summer I went traveling solo for the first time mm, first time doing it that, yeah. yeah absolutely loved it like you do a bit of that as well and you were saying that, that you find that because I, I had the two extremes of it I found on one hand it to be very like re- like I completely understand what you're saying like very meditative in ways very like um just just a relief Partly just to be mm. out of Dublin and away and in new surroundings where no one knows you, all the anonymity of it, all yeah. that. And then on another hand, there's that like stressful bit of being like, if things are going wrong or like you're missing a train or you're late for a flight, whatever it is, like you're there by yourself. Like you don't have a mate to be like, right, well, look, I'll do this, you go do that. And you know, it's all on you. But you personally, I really like that. What's What's been your experience that solo travel thing as yeah, well? Yeah, similar. Like I think you just need to take those little struggles as victories, like when they go well. Mm like even the tiniest thing like getting your train on time or getting catching that flight or you know whatever it is or being able having a laugh with the ticket desk you know office or whatever like uh, I think you need to appreciate that their little minor victories mm-hmm. you know and then and then I guess you do have the headspace afterwards to appreciate that generally or you have time at dinner or you have whatever it is you know you're sitting on a piazza or a square or a fountain or something and you you know what I mean yeah your mind starts to to wander a bit yeah and no, I love it I love it I think it's it's really important to see these things it also kind of it also kind of ticks a lot of the anxiety boxes which I guess th- th- those anxiety boxes or those those, those uh, anxieties are coming from a, you know oh god I'm I'm, uh, I'm running out of time I'm not going to see the world kind of thing and if you start to do some of the stuff that answers that then you're again you're facing it head on rather than kind of cowering away and never leaving your room do you find it hard to, because between everything you do and the extremely high level that you do it at, do you find it hard to take the time to be like, okay, I am not taking on any shoots for these two weeks because I have decided I am going on holidays. I'm not taking any acting jobs. I'm not doing nothing. This is my time. Or, or yes. are you good about setting those boundaries? I was really bad. So I realized there recently, I'm, I was six years in college and uh, that sounds like I like failed loads of years. I'm like, that's how long my course was. <laughs> Uh, six years getting through it, uh, struggling, and then I'm six and a half years full time now, um, freelance, whatever that means. So I'm kind of I'm out as long as I was in. Actually, kind of makes it sound like prison or something. It does, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, I like so I've been out longer, and I I can look back now on those kind of. They say apparently every six. Who are these people that say these things? Every six or seven years, your body is new. Do you ever hear this? Yeah, yeah. 
there's a graphic designer in New York, uh, Sagmeister is his name, and he takes, apparently every seventh year, he takes it off completely. So he does six years, or maybe seven years, and then the eighth year. But he does like six years, and he takes a full year off. off. Like his office keeps going, he's got like assistants and partners, and he's got um, a whole team of people to keep it going. But he'll like literally just flake, travel, like go to stuff, whatever it is, and then he'll come back and do another six years. That's how he's lived his last 30 years. Mm. Because uh, apparently your body like replaces the cell. You heard about this? Yeah, like, every single cell that was there seven years ago yeah, is now gone. Yeah, so it's it's like a new you. Yeah. Now I don't know how much that really affects, but definitely I feel like when you can look look at things in stages, and six seems to be should I pick six as a number? Uh-huh. Seems to be like uh, you know you're six years in secondary school generally, or six years in college, and now I'm six years uh, full time between the acting and the photography, and that's kind of a nice way to look back and for those first three years I was terrible with traveling because I was just starting things off and it consumes you I think and it's really good to do that in the first few years because you're finding your feet and you don't know and you're saying yes to everything I was like yep yeah I'll do that yeah I'll do that and I was doing like bits of logo design I was doing bits of like yeah posters read all sorts of shows different all sorts of levels student films everything and uh, just saying yes and just seeing what like basically just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks you know what I mean and then you st- I started to realise oh well, I haven't been away and I went on a trip to Croatia and I loved it and I was like I need to do this more like and uh, and then so in the f- last three years it's kind of been more just like yeah just booking just book the flights and like if something comes in then you can cancel those flights generally I'm only going to like Spain or something so they're like well it's like 40 quid or something 60 quid so if, if a job comes in then I'm not I'm not in the red I'm not losing too much totally and I can weigh that up Um, trying to travel I mean half the reason I do this is as well is to be able to travel you know I'd love to go and do shows in the UK or America that'd be amazing you know or take like taking photos around around Europe around the world mm. as well it'd be great so I do try bring the camera with me when I travel how do you did you ever have that struggle I'm always interested when people are doing when people have like many interests do you feel like if you are um, correct me if I'm wrong I I feel like you've been photographing a lot lately more than you've been acting right do you ever have that thing of you feel like you're not being true to like one part of yourself or you're like I'm not an actor now I'm just I'm a, I'm, a, I'm only a photographer and then you're in the middle of mm. acting now and it feels great it's like oh, I'm a fucking actor and yeah, then yeah. you know and the cycles of that like how do you how do you deal with that yeah I think that's another thing then having gone on so long you start to look back and you realise where those phases were and there was definitely one year in like I don't know, 2013, 2014 where like I nearly went maybe not full time and maybe not paid but I went from acting gig to acting gig for about a year like even tiny thing I always had something you know so if I finished a run of a show there was like there was a short film coming out or if uh, or I had a reading the next week there was always something just to keep me in that world mm. Um but definitely there's cycles. So now I'm in rehearsals and I'm not doing any shoots. And it's really hard to say no because you're like, yeah, I can do that. It's only two hours. But that two hours then becomes like another two hours of the desk editing, another two hours. You know, it just adds up and adds up. So the, the time on the shoot is actually multiplied by like, you know, the shoot only might be an hour, but you spend the day doing all the other bits that are associated with it. So I know now, having come this far, like this far, like as far as I, I can so far, but like I know now, having look, being able to look back and go, okay, I when I'm when I'm in a show, when I'm doing a show, I need to just focus on that. 
Mm. You know, I might do a little shoot here or there, or there's still always going to be a little bit of photography editing or uploading or sending or whatever to be done. I can do that then in my own time, but I can't have something that competes with the show, mm-hmm. depending on the show. You know, some are a bit lighter than others, or the rehearsal schedule is easier. But uh, I kind of know now, yeah, take it in kind of cycles. So, yeah, I'm kind of in actor mode at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then I'll pick up the camera again kind of in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great, right? Let's pick up the bingo machine. Give it a spin. All right, here we go. Number five. Oh. No way. There Have I go. won? I mean, Can I, if you've do won, I own everything now? You've won a sixth of the game. All right. <laughs> It's like you can ask me the first word of your question. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> um, number five. All right, yeah, you get to take that one off. Congratulations. Oh, yes. uh, number five. All right, here's a good one. Uh, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A bin man. Yeah? Yeah, I used to love the bin men when I was about four years old. Interesting. And they used to come around, and I used to love that routine. Uh, and I used to bring them all out glasses of water, and uh, they'd take a break at my house. And they'd have their glasses of water. Like, how are you, Paddy? Yeah, great, great. And how's how are you, Mick? All good. How's the folks? Yeah, and all that. I just I chat to them. Class. And uh, I loved that routine. And my older brother and sisters still slap me about this. They're like, remember when you wanted to be a bin man? So uh, I think, I, I think, I hope, maybe I'll go back to that someday, you know, my calling. Who knows? But the wheelie bins now, everything looks a bit easier, doesn't it? It's not a struggle, not as much. Do you remember the old bins? No, we were talking about bins. Yeah, well, it's funny. I've been thinking a lot about bins Have lately. You? Yeah, because I moved into a new. Close that to you. I, yeah. I I moved into. Welcome, welcome to the club. Yeah, <laughs> I moved into Dublin fifteen recently, right? And I haven't lived that far out of the city. I mean, it's it's really not that far at all. Literally on the other side of the Phoenix Park. Like. Yeah, Blanche, exactly. Literally in Blanche. It's not too far from you at all. No, no, but I was living in town, like. Oh right. So I moved, um, so like for the last three years. This is my first time not living in town in about three years, and it, it oh, it's not. I'm actually enjoying it, but like, um, so I used to like go out for like jogs and stuff, and I I pretty much just go through town and into Phoenix Park, and that'd be me. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd run around there to like got wrecked and come home, <laughs> uh, and but now I'm kind of like I have a little. I still go to the Phoenix Park, but I've got a little bit more of a residential journey. And Blanche is really interesting because you have Blanche and then you have Castle Knock right on top of each other, and just like from a socio economic point of view, they're Comparable, I'm sure, but there is a difference. Like, as in, Castlenock's just more middle class. It just is. And the bins in Castlenock are so much smellier. Like, I really noticed this because when I'm out running on the roads, like, everyone has their bins left out because yes. I normally go early Smell in the morning. The bins, and I'm smelling the bins. And I'm smelling. Yeah. <laughs> and we know in the bins, <laughs> stopping for help, looking for a banana, get a bit tired. And, but I really noticed that. And I was just thinking, like, is it because, you know, um, people with more money are more comfortable to throw stuff out? Is it because, like, the, the food that they're getting is more organic? And as a result, it, it, it like it, when it goes in the bin, it it um it smells more. I don't know. I've been trying to work it out yeah. for myself. I think you're overthinking it, but also Probably. I totally get it. I go into these spirals, these rabbit holes. Um, maybe it's something to do with like the like the other areas got newer bins, so they're literally just new. Could be that simple. They haven't gotten smelly yet. Yeah, you know they're all newer houses there. Yeah, yeah. but it looks just easier. Is what I'm saying. As a bin man, you just wheel it up, put it into the the latch or whatever and it does it for you mm. I think yeah I mean there whereas before they had to tip them in themselves and there was all sorts of bins different shapes and sizes yeah like you didn't have wheelie bins and I think as a kid you probably pro- weren't born Tom <laughs> it probably looks cool to jump on the back of the truck as well though yeah yeah I used to like that because yeah. you know like you, you know as a, like it, it's as a kid you, you stick your head out the window and you're like, this is great crack whereas the guys yeah. living their best lives in the edge of bin bin yeah. trucks pretty you cool you ever see that um, Macbeth with James McAvoy the, the BBC they did a series of Shakespeare's where they kind of reinvented them into like contemporary uh, environments. So McAvoy is like a, a head chef 
which I think is a really good metaphor for like Macbeth. He's like the leader of the mm. of a crew, you know, an army, and he wants to be the the restaurant owner, you know, the king. So, uh, but the witches are uh, three bin men. So every time he goes out the back for a smoke or to to empty the bins or to whatever, he bumps into the three witches who are these like all right, like three lads in the back of a bin truck, and there's this great image of them going down. You know, the, there's a great sequence when they leave and they just go back down the alleyway on the back of the bin truck, just looking at them. Wow. It's brilliant. Like what? Like what? Who thought of that? You yeah. Know, three, what if the three witches were three burly bin men? Yeah. You know, who come to him in in a routine kind of stage. You know, in a kind of a, a habit. You know, once a week, they come to take the bins from the restaurant, and uh, yeah, they give him these little bits of advice. You know, you should be doing this. You should be doing it. You should be king. You know, all that sort of stuff that the witches do. Yeah. Brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what about though the actual like? Because I am interested in that as a kid, you wanted to be a bin man and. It feels like now in lots of ways you do the complete opposite of that in, in the sense that like I think like jobs not man it's not just about being like a, a bin man it's about um it's about like just having a job that you get up every day they probably get up super early like work super hard but they know like you know I, I assume it's a pretty straightforward job in the sense that you know you go you, you, you clear the rubbish you know you make sure that like you're only doing it for the people who've paid their bin fees, whatever it is. But like the job is relatively simple. If you get up and are on time, you can do that job well every day and, and come home and know you've done a good day's work. Like you, me and you don't really have that in the same way with what we do. You know what I mean? Like no one's sitting down and telling you when you need to edit necessarily. I know you're working to yeah, deadlines and yeah. stuff. Or like you can't, go out and like you know you're doing panned in a couple of weeks you can't go out and like guarantee that you're going to be totally on the nose that you're going to have the audience in the palm of your yeah. hand you just can't do that there's always that unknown isn't there there's mm. always that like and, and self yeah I've been thinking a lot about like self uh, what's the word motivation and then inspiration and what the difference and similarities are there but I think I know what you mean there's like a momentum to uh, definitely to photography that it has its own like the routine mm. like you know, that's got its own kind of um yeah drive now at this stage like it, i don't really have to push it too much i mean i'm still trying to find like always trying to challenge and do different things and try new things and try different types of lighting and always always working it's working it's who you're working with as well makes a big difference you know because that kind of informs the different type of projects and the different scale of the work but so that has its own momentum but yeah the acting's like just maybe maybe it's like the day the old bin days when there was a random bins mm. and you don't know what you're gonna get you know, there could be anything in there. Yeah. Whereas now maybe the maybe the photography is more like the wheelie bins. It's a bit more. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I feel, yeah. There's still a few different colours and some are smellier than others, but uh, it's a bit more um, routine or mm -hmm. has its own momentum. You know what I mean? We, we were talking off mic about uh, Aaron Monaghan, right? And we were about just like saying how his work is at like such a unbelievably high standard, like so consistently. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to draw stupid comparisons here. But as a photographer, like I think you're like the level that you're hitting on a consistent basis is to me as someone who knows nothing about photography whatsoever. But just like understands like as in well, having worked with you a handful of times and then just having seen your work quite a lot, like your level is like unbelievable. That's I fine. I would think, in my opinion, just what what like what I'll pay you later. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But like what is like what what are your what are your thoughts on that? Like what are you doing to keep pushing that? Mm. And as you said, pushing the level. Like what does that actually like fundamentally look like? What's it come down to? Yeah, yeah, I think what it was as well, it comes down to that three year and three year thing, as I said. So the first two years is just trying to find, I think, my feet and trying to suss it out and give it all a go. 
and it was great and it was mad and it still is mad but like it, the last few years has definitely been more considered I think um, still a bit manic and a bit mad but like it's I've been trying to do more so what it looks like is it's I've been trying to do more like what's the word personal work I guess mm. so it's not work that's like commissioned it's not like just just to pay the bills it's like me going out with the camera and taking photos to try think about something or talk about something or show something mm. so that's where the exhibitions come from generally like some of the exhibitions tend to be work that I've made uh, coincidentally or on the side of a shoot or something like that but a lot of them are like new work and I'm not getting paid for that unless people buy the photos and that you get a bit of the money back for because printing and framing man is like massive cost really yeah if you want to do it right mm. you know what I mean you could do it like on the cheap and they'd fade after two years and you just don't want to give someone that kind of product or that kind of thing that mm. they're going to put in their kitchen morning but that's lovely and the next time they look at it like in a couple of years it's it's completely black and white or something you know what I mean because the sun has hit it so much or it's bleached so you don't even want to do that when the frame's falling apart because someone knocked into it and it's a, it's a crappy frame so you want to put the kind of there's kind of an integrity to that I think mm. uh, it's a killer at the start because you're like oh that's okay here you go printer man it's a lot of money but like there's a value to it or something so I've been doing a lot of that a lot right. of like that kind of stuff And but but that, that really rings true what you're saying because like I've actually had this conversation with people before about like you know coming up to producing a show and you know you're talking about what you, where you want to go with design and like I've literally like and I'm, I mean this this is this is the compliment but I'd be like oh, yeah but like everyone gets D to do his, his, his posters everyone and they're like so let's go but then, then you think about it right and you're like well first of all there's a reason for that because the quality is brilliant and second of all it doesn't matter because they're not the same. Like, it's not like yeah. uh, you don't have it. Like, I couldn't tell you what a Steve Murray poster looks like, except for it's guaranteed to look real good. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like, um, it's not like, you know, it's banged through an Instagram filter or something like, and you know, yeah. it's going to have this aesthetic to it. Like, they're all wildly different. Yeah. And like, you know, that's just so, I just, I, it, the word you used earlier was integrity about like wanting to give someone a product that's going to last beyond two years. And I feel like that really stands true with the posters. And I think that's why it is so popular because fundamentally people, you know, want that associated with their show because you know everyone's going to hopefully have made their show from a place of yeah. integrity or at least try to so if they if they feel like your work's going to do that they want something that matches it you know yeah hopefully like I think I mean I would like to get to a stage where you do have a people do notice habits or like uh, patterns mm. and maybe that pattern comes out of how you do the work you know so that therefore it's going to lead to a certain type of photo but um, and that could just be like a look or a type of lighting or location or it could be loads of different things but i mean that'd be nice to get to a stage where people go well it's this type of show so we need this type of photographer yeah you know um, well okay here's a good question for you what about like obviously um you know even from the perspective of talking about a compliment my own question before yeah, I asked yeah. It, uh, no it, pressure yeah 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 <laughs> but like is it is it tricky because like dealing with the business side of things with your mates because so, like you're, you're an actor so fundamentally you know I know you work other, in other departments within theatre but a lot of the work you do is in theatre you also work uh, as an actor in mm. theatre like um, is it difficult when you're like dealing with your mates about like you know quotes different things wh whatever like um, do people ever come asking for, for favours being like look we can't afford that but could you do us this like how have you uh, navigated all of that yeah. stuff I guess the first few years as well, where, where was we were all kind of in that boat. We were all trying to just get stuff on and doing small things here and small things there. So we were all kind of 
we were understanding that and you might do a little bit of a favor here or a quite a discounted price here but then now hopefully the idea is that <laughs> I don't know my mates are rich they can give me uh, no you know like kind of way as if it, they've moved on maybe to getting commissions or uh, bigger stages or a tour or something like that where there is a bit of maybe income coming in and hopefully they want to keep me on board um, that would be nice mm. so that you kind of like there's like a you know a reward mm. it's a bit like a, you know you've been sitting on the subs bench all year go on I'll give you a run out <laughs> yeah sure the last game of the season sure go on she, you know and you had that perspective even at the beginning I think I yeah I was hope yeah it was I knew I was kind of finding my feet and, and testing and trying things so if they were willing to give a gamble put a ga- like take a gamble on me mm. then hopefully we could get to a state and it has happened there's like regular people I'd work with and we've got like this shorthand now and so the process is so much easier to like see this is what it's about it's this it's a more, bit like this one that we did and not like this one that we did mm-hmm. uh, go for it and there's a total like trust which is deadly I can just go for it and do it you know yeah um, that's kind of cool uh, what about what 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 is it that you think makes a good? I'm gonna say photographer first mm. of all. Yeah, I think it's a lot of the other stuff that like comes into other um the other other types of work. Like it's just about being empathetic and compassionate and and there's a do du- I think a lot about duty of care recently. Mm. Like we did a great workshop this year with the Lovitz, loved it, and I just felt so. Uh, appreciated or something like valued in the room you know by both wearing and Louis like just and that just just a real kind of like sense of worth or something I think I've been on the other end of a, ca- of a camera lens or on a film or short film or student film set and you feel like you might as well not be there but you have to know that they're just doing their jobs and that's their process and trust it you know um, but I think there's a duty of care like just checking in and making sure everyone's all right. Like, I think we did a shoot where you had to take your top off. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, like, I think, I hope I did just say, yeah, you know, like, yeah, definitely. probably you have no body, but just to check in. Mm-hmm. Are you cold? <laughs> like, yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to put that on for a minute, actually, because I'm still setting up? Or just that kind of um, awareness, I think, helps. Um, that observation of the room and just checking out the room. I guess it's a bit like maybe the way a first AD or maybe even a director would work. On a film set that they just they're just making sure everything is working um because there's so much stuff especially like a setup shoot with like lights and reflectors and all sorts of stuff and backdrops and locations and mm. you're looking at traffic and you're looking at noise and you're looking at that gang of lads that look a bit dodgy over there they want to come over and take my camera and, but you want you don't want you don't want the actor to think about any of that mm-hmm. or the the i shouldn't say actor the, even the person getting their portrait taken mm-hmm. uh the sitter as you will yes uh you don't really want them to so it's kind of thinking about them and then keeping it's almost like a, a duck on water what's, what's the term swan on water mm. duck with legs duck, yeah ducks you're swimming, doing a paddling motion swimming duck I'll just describe. like chaos underneath yes calm above yeah 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 that yeah. kind of thing uh, I think that helps a lot um, I think yeah that thing about observation is interesting as well I think as an actor as well I think a lot of because I'm not formally trained so a lot of my like material is just soaking up you know the world which is hard when you're kind of working so fast and so you're kind of flying through places mm. but uh i think a lot of it is just that's my raw material is just like looking at people <laughs> and like just taking up looking at what people do and and then you can bring that i can bring that into like photography whether it's with headshots or posters or portraits or even art. i do a lot of architectural photography mm. and like just noticing 
out of way the light hits that counter you know it won't be there now in half an hour because of the the clock tower that the, the sun's going to go behind and just that kind of wide angle awareness and not being so narrow minded mm-hmm. you know it's really easy to go narrow minded because you just want to focus on your settings and you want to focus on your and you know all the technical bits of it but like no one else cares about that yeah you know yeah I love it yeah alright let's give it a spin here we go. I've only gotten one, so Tom far, so this is better. It's not bad, that man. It's one <laughs> out of three. Number 12, do you have it? No. No. No worries. Number 12, the question is, do you ever wish you were born as the opposite gender? Oh. Uh, I've never thought about it. Mm. Uh, this is probably this is probably a controversial question, no? Like, uh, this is like, this. I mean, this is eggshells here. Gonna say the wrong thing. No, well, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I've never actually thought of it that way. What What do you mean by that? Like that, just. Well, I don't want to. Like, I don't. I've I've never had that headspace myself. Mm. Um, do you mean like from a, a transgender point yeah, of view? Right. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think. Oh. I suppose. Sorry, the spirit with which I'm asking it is yeah. like: Have you? Are there moments uh, where, like, you know, the way? Well, I'm trying. It, it's uh, the, the interesting thing is it's, it's hard tricky, to find a, it, a, a male example, yeah. but like you know the way like definitely I think it's improving like slowly but surely but like definitely like would have had female friends before or, like they were just like look if I was a lad I just wouldn't have had yeah, this issue I mean yeah. and there's still loads of that you know what I mean and, and and there's definitely there's definitely like opposite examples as well like as in you know y- y- like male babysitters like I remember wanting to be yeah. a babysitter like I couldn't really do it because yeah. people just didn't trust like an 18 year old with their kid which is you know that's a fucking like uh, a tiny example but I suppose that's, yeah, yeah. it's with that lens of like um I suppose just like how different would the world be if the two of us were women? Yeah. What, what would you, our experience what would you be? be called? Oh, but, uh, I really like this is such a weird name. I don't know why I like it, but I really like Natasha <laughs> as a name. Like I, I I know I like a name when I always call characters I like in scripts it. <laughs> in every script I write there'll be a Natasha. She's somewhere. She's in there. She she'll find a way in Tash cuz I think I like Tash. Tash. Yeah. And I I met an Australian uh, an Australian Natasha when I was living in uh, Chicago and she was my best friend there and we got on great and um, I, I think that's where I there developed an affinity. You have to think of some catchy second name now for a drag name if you ever go into drag. Yeah, yeah, because Tash. Unless you're already in drag and I don't know. No, yeah. I I I I I have the legs for it now, but yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen them. Yeah, <laughs> Saturday mornings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After about 10 points of Guinness the night before Yeah it's Calves man Yeah it's just all the Guinness Because yeah. people are calves yeah. uh, um, I yeah. don't know if I've ever uh, I guess not in like a Well only in a, in a Professional way When like uh, If you go for Let's say you go for A casting and it's gender What's the right, ter- right term Gender blind Gender uh, yeah. Where they gender don't know neutral, Basically think, the, the part's being written As a, a bloke and a lady yeah, and they don't know, and so they're seeing both, or all, let's say. And you go for it, and I thought the audition went great, and then they say, "We're actually, you know what? We're gonna go, we're gonna go to lady on this one." Mm. And you're like, "All right, well, okay." So if I was, a, I probably would have been, but you don't know. There's so many other factors. Sure, of course. You're kind of going, oh, "I would have got it if I was," you know what I mean? Right, a dick. Mm-hmm. But like, you don't know. There's so many other factors. You know, they could have gone to lady because the lady who did the audition was amazing and they had to like, give it to her yeah. you know what I mean that's so probably that's, right. that's one example recently yeah. like, but uh, not in like fortunately not too much in terms of uh, professional um, which I'm very aware of mm. most of my friends would be women grown up and uh, pretty equal in school mixed school and 
pretty mixed in college. Uh, but yeah, just yeah, most of my friends are women. So I'm a very. I think I'd like to think that I hear a lot about this, or maybe I need to ask more questions and stuff. But um, on a personal level, yeah, there's obviously stuff that probably wouldn't happen if if because I'm a bloke or it ha- hasn't happened because I'm a bloke. But there's equally stuff like I don't know. Being, you know, made to fight in secondary school that you probably wouldn't have to do. Sure. You know, I'm going to hop on you after school. You, you know, well, very unlikely. Not unlikely, it does happen, but less likely to, uh, say yeah. to happen to. I think so. Two I, think, no, I think that's a fair generalization. Why? I'm interested in why do you think um, you have more female friends? I don't know. Uh, I, I, it's not something we decided one day or. It's well, one is just like the road I grew up on. My three best friends are girls, so literally, just like that was who was on the road at the same age. There was a guy, and then he moved away, so then it just became the four of us. So, me and three girls, um, and then I don't know, just um, because I, I don't know, I'm not, I guess I'm not like the archetypal lad lad. I mean, if I know I, I talk about going to the gym, but if you were to look at me, it looks like I don't go to the gym, you know what I mean, yeah, or like uh. But you also wouldn't, I wouldn't describe it as in any way like effeminate either. Do you know what I mean? Right. I would like, but I was just curious because I, I w- that would have been, it's funny, I think maybe more so now as I'm, no, I'd say most of my friends are female as well. Mm. I'm just, I'm, but I'm always interested in that about myself. Like, what is it? Because I think maybe, and that's maybe where this question in the, in the, the game comes from. Because I'm always interested in that thing of like, because I'd be, I'd be a sensitive person mm. by nature. So oh. like, there's, exactly. Oh. You see, and lads do shit like that, Steve. And that's why I don't <laughs> no, want I'm male actually friends. being effeminate. I'm actually being, uh, being uh, you know, consider it no 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 I'm joking yeah, with yeah, you yeah. but like do you know what I mean like there is that thing of like but there is that thing like even the other day gosh I had a hilarious conversation <laughs> with one of my male friends and I was with a bunch of the lads actually and I was telling them like and um, they're lads from home and uh, I was telling them like um, just this, this story about like j- just this thing that happened with a girl and I basically just like it was a bit humiliating like it was a bad story I, like I was a bit ashamed a bit embarrassed of it like I just uh, like it was just a moment of like a bad moment for me and I was telling him about it and like um, and of course the minute I said it then like my other mate was like yeah actually uh, this thing happened to me and like before he, he said it he's like I, I, just, I need you to know like I'm not as good as at talking about this as you and then he went into telling the story and did a beautiful job of telling this like hilarious yeah. story but it, like, it was also like sad because it made him sad at the time but you know the way with that bit of hindsight you can see yeah. that's actually gas now but it was that that funny thing of just like the different way like if, if I was like and I've also told like my female friends that story and it's gone so differently like they, they'd be just picking it apart in such a different way to the lads you know yeah yeah sometimes but then I think yeah there's times when I'd be telling stories to some some female friends and they're like they react like maybe some of the lads would or like vice versa Definitely. I don't know maybe it's just people I'm surrounded by are quite cool with all that I actually I don't know why I say most of my female friends most of my friends are female but I've never actually done like a count. Mm. I just feel I don't know. Maybe I just feel maybe when it's when you're out. Like if I was to go for dinner with my friend, who's a, who's a lady, ah, but we're, there's nothing going on. Like we're just friends. Yeah. Maybe you feel like people's eyes are on you more, or or maybe because people have said, "Is that your girlfriend?" or something, or like, "Are you guys together?" When you go for a drink then after dinner or something. You know what I mean? Because people just assume that automatically because that's the default. So you're more aware of the fact that you're out and about with a female. Mm. Do you know? Yeah, I do. Whereas if you're out with the lads, it's, it's not on people's mind to assume, like, are you guys a gay couple? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not the go-to. Yeah. Like, I guess. 
in terms of societal norms and stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, maybe that's why I'm more aware of like that I have more lady friends. Yeah. Totally. No, I. Lady yeah. friends sounds funny, doesn't it? I mean, it does. Yeah. You can't say girls apparently. Really. Well, I think it's. I think like anything, it depends on what your uh, intention behind sure. the line is. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, little girl. Yeah. Like, that's obviously not nice, but like. No, Spice Girls is pretty empowering. Mm-hmm. You know, who run the world? Girls. Yeah. That's like that's an empowering song. Mm-hmm. So like I think it depends on how you say it. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um I love me I love me some girls. I say that with love. Yeah. I, don't, I don't mean that to Girlos. Yeah. Big time. Got a group of lads, girls sometimes. Right? <laughs> Unzo's for the last one. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's playing our football on Saturday morning. <laughs> right. We did that once, didn't we? <laughs> Unzo's versus uh <laughs> Girls or something like or something like that. Yeah, I'm definitely a stunner. Uh, right, number forty-four. Do you have it? Yes, oh, I do. Fuck, you're doing good, Steve. Actually, the, your ratio here is pretty sweet, man. Right. It, like that's what is that? That's two out of five. Well, I've been in training, Tom. I've been uh, practicing bingo. I've been uh, manifesting it. Yeah, just thinking about it, meditating, meditating on it. On it you know, excellent. All right, here you go. Number forty-four. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh. One that jumps out initially is I worked for a photographer in Germany on so in that six years in college I had a year in the middle that was like um like a gap year like a, a experience year and you meant to go and work uh, so I studied architecture you meant to go and work with like an architect mm. uh, but uh, that would have been like two thousand and ten mm. so there's no jobs so they were like the tutors and the teachers are basically like to us so uh, you're coming up to the end of third year now and you're gonna have your year out now. Uh, we're meant to tell you to go get jobs and yeah that'd be great uh, an internship here or a few hours in an office here and there just get a feel for the professional world you know same like in, in law you try to or in medicine you try to get into a hospital or whatever yeah uh, and they but they were like yeah but there's not many jobs going so go travel and go do stuff so I uh, a lecturer a tutor uh, sent me this link to this architectural photographer in Germany and she was like you should go for it he takes an assistant on every six months um, it's not very well paid, like it's just enough to live off, pay your rent, but you get to travel loads with them. Um, so I went for it and I like, I didn't think I was going to get it. And I went over and I got it and it was in Stuttgart and spent six months there as a 21 year old. And was so naive, but learned so much. And he was great. And we went to like Rome and New York and Madrid and when you were traveling with him, you didn't have to put your hand in your pocket at all. So it was deadly, mm. you know, just seeing places, seeing cool buildings, taking photos of them. And when we were leaving, you know, I kind of realized, oh, shit, it's been like six months. I need to start to get something out of this or, you know, have takeaways from this. Um, And I was like, what's I think I asked him someday, you know, because we'd eat after it or we'd, we'd have coffee all the time and stuff. And I asked him what what the greatest I think I said something like what the greatest tool, I don't know what the translation was, but greatest tool or greatest uh, piece of equipment you can have is. And like almost like Gandalf or like, I don't know what he was like. He was like Dumbledore or something. He just points at his temple and he's like, your head. <laughs> like I was like, yes, that's it. He's like, that's your greatest tool. As like a photographer as anything is your head. Like it's like it's all in there or it can go in there. So that stayed with me. That's pretty um, good. And I can try take that into like, yeah, anything. How you approach a day, how you go into a rehearsal room, how you go, go into an audition, how I manage that photo shoot, you know, whatever it is. It's like you've always got that tool. And yeah, that tool can be a 
bitch and can nag at you and can do all sorts of other things and that's hard but also it can be your way in and way out and way forward for a lot of things vote for me on for the president uh <laughs> no I'm joking uh yeah that's so that was that stayed with me as a piece of advice i um, love it your head is your is your biggest your bit your best tool i love it oh yeah okay Biggest tool, that's your autobiography. <laughs> I've decided. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> Number 41, do you have it? I don't have that now, Tom, no. No worries. Number 41. Uh, oh, I'm interested for this one. What is your biggest career disappointment? Ooh. I try not... I don't know if this is the thing I just tell myself. I just try not to think about that. Mm-hmm. I think we get this from that. Dad's quite a... Um, optimist like definitely we're all glass half full people i think if if it is that binary you know one or the other yin and yang i don't know if it is but we we tend not to me i'm talking about me and brother and sister we don't we tend not to like um dwell on like bad news and that's made it sometimes really hard if you have bad news mm. or if something's happening in your life because it's hard to then talk to to people who are like, oh, yep, yeah, ah, sure. Oh, the weather's great. Sure. Yep, yep, yep. You know, and maybe it's, I don't know if it's an Irish thing. I'm getting a bit sick of people saying, oh, it's a very Irish thing mm. or whatever. But because uh, other countries have problems as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I, I oh, Biggest disappointment. I'm, I'm dri- why am I drifting towards like rejections for theatre why or for play why is that because there's loads of them yeah <laughs> yeah probably though yeah isn't it i was thinking about that a lot actually about the difference between photography and acting is that like generally when i photograph there's nearly always something to show for it mm. even if i'm doing this personal work i'm talking to oh about. that's so interesting if i go and go take photos for a day and even though no one's paying me i have like hundreds of photos to show and to do something with mm. yeah you have to go and like put you know get money for printing or uh upload them and pay for a service that will host them or whatever it is uh, but ultimately you've something to show for your your time and your effort mm. whereas you could do 10 self-tapes and not get any and no one sees that well the casting director sees it and your agent might see it you know, and they they hopefully appreciate it and know and will keep you in mind for the other ones and that's that's good to know that was actually something come back to advice that someone casting director said one time that changed auditions for me was when you're going into an audition like think of it as work you know um, you're not it's not a test it's not the x factor right. like they want you to get the part and they're on your side um so that was just coming back to that question as well but like uh where was i um about uh biggest disappointment in yeah. theater i don't know why i'm just i think this is way more no's in in acting than there are uh but like there's loads of I remember one time when I last I remember being April of April of doom I think I called it in my head but I had mm. like by the end of March I'd sent out about eight applications for things or I, I was or I'd done a couple of there was a couple of auditions that were significant enough and there was uh, there was about six photography things whether it was like an exhibition a group show or a book or a competition or whatever it was and over the next eight weeks, it was just almost like a weekly no, 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 sorry, no, disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. Mm. And I nearly expected it, but uh, I'm glad I did those applications. And I think having done those applications and done those that process, I can do other ones now faster. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
I can't think of one big. Um, no, I mean it's a good yeah. answer. Like um, I, you know, I, I was, like the questions aren't. I don't even want an answer <laughs> to them. It's just as a starting off point. But that is, that is so interesting of of that thing of having something to to show for it. Like you know, as you said, like in that sense, like it, it's probably hard for you to go out and like really be able to be like, well, that was a failed day of photography. Whereas like if you go out for like a theatre audition, and I don't think a lot of us do look at it that way. But like as you said, you know, you can pour your heart and soul into like doing great prep, like for a week or two. Sometimes, especially for theatre you know mm. if it's a self tape it might be a little bit more short notice and you know you go in and you do it in the room and you either feel like you do yourself justice or you don't and it's gone and you have to let it go yeah. or you'll, you'll drive yourself mad yeah I think you just have to keep moving forward and take the fact that you did the work again it's what I'm saying about focusing on the process and not the product like focusing on the doing not the done like the done will happen and this is what came from architecture school like it didn't matter what year it was all fake buildings that we designed you mm. know make believe you could build it out of gold or have it suspended from zeppelins or you know whatever like it could be reach up to the fucking moon didn't matter but if you could justify it in your process and how you got to that point that was fine and yeah it was important to have nice images and nice plans and drawings and sections and all that sort of stuff at the end for your portfolio but like really what they were looking at was your sketch paper and your Mm -hmm. notebook and like where are these ideas coming from because if you rocked up on the last day of the project and you're like here's all my stuff done I've been working at home for uh you know, for the last two months, while all of you guys have been in here in studio getting lessons from the tutors and looking at going to the library and going looking at references and examples of other architecture and stuff like that. If you rocked up on the last day, and even though your stuff might look just as well as your neighbours, you know, when you're in your, you had these crits basically where you pin up your drawings right. and your models and you talk, you basically present and get grilled. It's very constructive though. It's very, yeah, it's very, very, you get, you get into a rhythm of just taking knocks and taking batterings yeah because uh, it's moving you forward it's like you shouldn't do that because you should do this or you might have a look at this guy or check out her work or whatever it is so where am i going with that um yeah there was kind of a process of like always focusing on the the, the doing you know the rough work the sketch work because at least then if you don't get to do the final stuff or you, you don't you're not happy with your grade at the end you know you put the work in you can always be happy with that mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm and there's a certain like contentness to take from well I did my best do you know do you look at now you, you mentioned your neighbours there the, as in the people who would have been beside you doing architecture do you is there is it fair of me to say that if you had gone down there like assuming some of them are gone down the p- pure architecture route and are designing buildings now and obviously it's a time of uh, perceived growth anyway mm. like in terms of thing, building and, and development happening it, do you ever look around at them or like is it fair to say that if you had gone down that route you'd be in a different financial position like do you ever look at their lives and, and, and wonder what what that would have been like if you'd followed yeah, that? Yeah I don't know about financial definitely like it was definitely so when I got into architecture it was like a height of the boom mm. and it was definitely kind of sold to you on like this is how much you could earn kid you know like you could be you know like you could be a top architect earning or mm. whatever six figure all this sort of stuff and then you go into it and you actually realize it's about like way more important stuff like community and these are just words now and they don't really mean much out of context but like things like materiality and how does that feel to sit on or what's it like to walk your dog in that park that i've just left you know design i've drawn a square as a park what's it like that what's actually look like where do you sit down where is the sun hitting you is there a tree there to shelter you from the wind you know that's the actual Mm the essence of it and not skyscrapers and football stadiums and stuff that we think and I thought it was as a, as a teenager which is very naive but that's 
that's the way in. And it's not Dubai, and it's not, you know, all this sort of stuff. It's like, the every day, like, what's that feel like? Mm. And what does that do to a person, or to a community, or to a group, to a school, to a, an old folks home, or whatever it is? That's the stuff you start to learn about. So I think, in the six years in college, the whole notion of what I thought architecture was really shifted, and I became way more sensitive, mm. or you know, to use one of your words. <laughs> uh, but so I think uh, I don't know what was your question again. I don't know, but that's fascinating. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it really changed, and so right when I finished, then it the landscape of of Ireland was completely different. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the recession kicked in, um, and I kind of knew after working with that photographer in Germany that like. I uh, this is for me now this is because I was always doing bits of photography as a teenager and during mm. college just like messing around and I'm, after working with him and getting to travel and stuff I was like yeah this is it meanwhile like drama society is happening and you're you're moving up the ranks there and what started out as like little uh, you know Monty Python style kind of sketch making people laugh for the laugh having a laugh getting up there doing a little sketch thing all of a sudden you're playing like bigger characters and like bets and stuff like this and you're going alright jeez okay I kind of like this actually mm. so I got to a stage when I was finishing college um, and I went back after the year out and did the masters like I, I loved it I loved it I don't mean to say like just because I'm not working in it as an architect doesn't mean I don't I, I, not, I love that world mm. um, and there's a lot I've le- learned a lot from it uh, so when I was coming to finish I was like well how do I make the acting and the photography work together mm. And I was kind of looking at the, I like, okay, could I do architecture and photography? Yeah, probably. But then I probably couldn't do the acting. Do you know, I was trying to like weigh up my options. Basically, if you can imagine, if I was an architect in an office and uh, we had a big thing happening on Thursday, I don't know, a big meeting with a big investors or something over from somewhere, or uh, maybe we had a big thing happening on the building that I was working on. Maybe there was a, a lift shaft going in or something. We've got to get it right. And I got to be there. Because if this lift shaft is out of, like out by, you know, two millimeters, then the whole rest of the building is is messed up. Mm. And there's that kind of like time specific stuff um, that meant I probably couldn't turn around to my boss in an architecture office and go, "I'm actually just going to go and do a, a clown workshop at Raymond Keane, uh, if you don't mind, on Thursday." Nice one, you know. Or I've got an audition. Like it did. The the flexibility didn't work as much. Now I guess now I'm like I could probably make it work. You do three days in an office, and but how would you take on a a six week run of a show or a tour you know right so I decided to go let's go give the photography and the and the acting a bash mm. and the day after we finished I registered the website and just went for it yeah yeah and then yeah it's amazing right we have time for one more go on let's do it go on so alright here we go number 34 do you have it no I've got 37 okay no worries consolation. Uh, number 34 oh this is a new question the first time it's been asked yes. uh, and it's one of your sensitive questions so uh, <laughs> go fuck yourself uh, <laughs> it's uh, do you cry often do I cry often uh, no but I do uh, I find and this is kind of coming back to I think why I do all this it's like I think I get incredibly moved at like at shows, at films, at art exhibitions. Um, so it's more as a response. Sometimes I'd cry. Um, not just I, I probably wouldn't just break down the street like or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you know um 
unlikely. I don't know. Uh, so it's more, yeah, like I, I tend to get, I find f- film especially like extremely overwhelming. Like it's visual, it's like, it's cameras, it's acting, it's, I find it as an art form like the most, I think I find it the most powerful. Mm-hmm. And if that means telling a story or getting something across, then that's it's. I think it's the strongest way to do that. I think. Mm. Can yeah. you see a theme in what makes you go like? I know for me, if I see someone like, like achieving their dream, like right. that, like I'm gone. Like sports yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. or like, or even just if someone in a film has like a real clear objective. Like if you see someone getting praise in a film, like get, hearing the thing they always wanted to hear, yeah. that's me gone. I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. So when I said films, I guess I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean in terms of like a certain, uh, tearjerker. Sure. Or, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I just mean as an art, I, I find it very moving. Yeah. But I, in terms of themes, yeah, look in the last couple of years, two or three years, I've kind of become way more obsessed with, okay, this is really morbid, but give me a chance. Hear me out mm-hmm. with death. Mm. Like, and I'm, I'm, it's actually coming into like loads of work. And I mean that in a really positive way. And I, I don't mean it in a, cause I've talked to some people about it and they've, I've realized I have to be careful when you talk about death. A lot of people might be grieving or I've lost someone and, and we all deal with it very differently. And mm. my response to it right now, because I haven't had to grieve in a long time, luckily, my response is quite positive. So I'm trying to take death as like a, well, at least that's certain. What am I going to do in the meantime? You know, and kind of like a, as a little kick up the arse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and a, way, a way out of bed and a way again of facing things head on um, and that could change and that you know that's very fragile but I'm trying to like it's coming into work and I mean that it's a re- as a vague construct as a vague abstract thing like death of, of, of a moment death of, of a person death of uh, a place you know an architectural place mm-hmm. so it's coming into loads of bits of work whether it's really trivial small little exhibitions or whether it's uh, I don't know like a show I'm trying to make or whether it's a character I'm working on, like I, I, that tends to get me. So, like Hamlet recently in the gate got me because I really felt the, a really and more than any other production in Hamlet, I felt the theme of, of taking your own life and what's it all about, and how easy it is to just not, be here, you know. Yeah. Like I don't know if you listen to Bill Burr's podcast, he's pretty controversial, but he's like. Go kill yourself, you know. I think it's him. No, it's Louis C.K., I think. Mm. I think he's like, uh, well, no one's asking to be here, you know, and they have a very irreverent look at it. Mm-hmm. Like, but Hamlet definitely got me thinking, like, not thinking, Jesus, but like I was, I, I, I could see those themes very, very clear for the f- first time ever seeing a production of Hamlet. Mm. And that kind of got me. I wasn't crying now, but uh, anything like that, I think if that's, if you're saying about like ambitions or, people getting told something they want to hear mm. i think my thing might be when someone can can highlight the uh absurdity of it all mm. in a really like uplifting way i think that tends to get me that if there's yeah if there's like an exhibition on or something let's say you go to london or something it's like you got all these things that are on i'll tend to drift towards the things that seem to be about the big D. Yeah. You know, um, because I'm interested in how people react to that. And that could be like an exhibition. I remember looking at one online. A photographer just did loads of photos of fireworks. Like she got photos of the fireworks when they were in the night sky. So these big black images with these amazing patterns and sparks. 
and and I'm not talking like cliche like you mm. know uh, stock photography fireworks over uh, Sydney Bridge or over Big Ben. We're talking like really kind of close up abstract things. Mm. But the ho- and there was loads of them on a wall, and the whole thing was like that spark, you know, out out brief candle. It's like that that's gone there and it's gone. Mm. It, that's like us as well. It's very heavy, man. Oh, maybe that's my my title. Steve the Big D Murray. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Come here, man. This has been great. Will you do me a favor? Um, I know you've got um a show that's been revived after uh, a set out run in the theater upstairs. Uh, nearly is that two years ago now? Whatever that was, could be more. Yeah, it's three. Three. Oh my god. So tell the people where they can see it. Um, because I'm definitely going to be there. Nice one. So we're doing a show called Panned. Uh, it's a one man show and it's written by my friend Katrina Daly. Uh, my friend Owen Carrick is directing it and we've got a great team designers um, and producers we're on a project in Temple Bar the Big Blue uh, from the 12th to the 17th of November Mm. Uh, every evening it's about an hour long so no kind of big epic thing but it is pretty heavy it's very funny Uh, Katrina's got a a really good look and take on things Mm. like way she can bring in pop culture references is but then make them kind of meaningful is, is fantastic uh, we did it three years ago it was hard it's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to learn um, I remember learning the lines for this for the audition for this and it took me like two days to learn uh, three pages wow. and I, I was one of them lucky days where I had an audition back to back I had an audition for uh, Cornerstones directly after it mm. and I learned that in like three hours mm. because it was just more uh, dialogue it was just more natural Yeah, and I had panned afterwards or before I forget which one was first I got both of them somehow like one of them lucky just two wow. out of two I know it never happens Yeah. so pan took me like three days to learn three pages or whatever two wow. days to learn really long like and uh, it was it's a, an absolute bitch to learn but it's because it's all stream of consciousness brilliant so it's all in his head and it uh you basically so I play all the the characters in the world excellent and the voices in his head and it's pretty fast it's pretty um intense mm. so it's kind of a it's a good it's a you get your 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 value for your book yeah big time no man I think it's going to be great and we had Katrina on and uh, and she she was talking with this vaguely I don't think she could announce that at the time so uh, um so yeah. it, it's brilliant um, so we'll all get in and see that I'll put all the details in the intro and outro as well that'd be so amazing Tom, yeah. Steve Murray thanks so much for playing Personality Bingo Tom Moran thanks for having me on So guys, that was the brilliant Steve Murray playing personality bingo. Steve, if you are listening, a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it. Look, it's always a pleasure uh, to chat to you, pal, and it was lovely to get it on record and get it down uh, on the podcast. Um, so thank you so much. As I said, also a huge thank you to Lorna Honan for setting up the episode. Um, I'm also so excited to see uh, the brilliant Katrina Daly's writing on stage and um, the excellent Owen Carrick at the helm behind it all, as well as an amazing uh, design team and lighting team and all that stuff, uh, as, as always, um, with the We Get High in This Collection. Um, I'm really really excited to see what they have notched up for us um, guys uh, as always on my end a few quick thank yous to the brilliant boss woman Erin Lindsay for mixing editing and producing the podcast thank you so much as always Erin to the excellent Leah Moore and Anthony Manley for their beautiful team music to Connor Nolan for the fantastic artwork and as always to Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary for having us aboard the Headstuff Podcast Network um, some kind of cool uh, little side news um, I've written an article the first 
first ever article uh, I've written. It's uh, called Seven Things I've Learned from Podcasting While Trying Not to Sound Like a Prick. Uh, I'm excited to release it uh, via headstuff.org over the, hopefully the next week or so. Um, and you can uh, check that out there. I'll be sure um, that we, we blast out on all the, the personality bingo social media as well as myself at tmore93. And as always, if this is your first time listening, uh, thank you so much. Welcome aboard um, the, the mental, mental um, range of guests we have in personality bingo and go and delve into uh, the, the almost hundreds of other episodes that we have and um, there's tons of stuff there and um, it's all really great if I may say so myself uh, we'd love to uh, get your thoughts on it um, and if it is your first time go and subscribe on iTunes so they all arrive right to your device or uh, Spotify whatever that might be for you um, and tell a friend that's the best way to spread the word about this podcast and um, without trying to sound like a used car salesperson uh, it makes a huge difference guys thank you so much for listening and tune in next week when Killian Coyle plays Personality Bingo with Tom Moore.